You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. My perfect day. It's it's gonna be, you know, the the steam coming off the top of the river, and we're we're back in the boat down the ramp um, at the beginning of like a, a five day float. So we're up on the Smith in Montana or um, the the middle fork of the Flathead uh, up in Glacier. And I know that there's big cuts and big bull trout in there. Not that I'm targeting the bull trout in a lot of those rivers, but they're there, right? And, uh, yeah, you have, you know, either I'm there with my my two kiddos or um, I got a couple, like, really good fishing buddies. And we're just going to do a multi-day float. And we're going to take our, our first shot of bourbon there at the boat ramp. Uh, it doesn't matter how early it is. You know, it's a fishing trip. And, uh you're just going to float. And man, I have total joy being on the oars and lining up those perfect drifts for my buddies, you know, figuring it out together, just that hashing it out, troubleshooting, ribbing each other when you miss a strike and then celebrating uh, every fish, right. And, and waiting for those monsters. So, um, we're going to be nymph and we're going to be fishing dry flies at the right time. And then we're throwing big articulated streamers, um, and then maybe some mouse patterns into the dusk. Um, those, those are the, uh, the ones that, that keep me going through the, the weeks in the shop before I get those long trips on the water. Yeah, that's my dream trip. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. TheFlyCrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. TheFlyCrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Stoked you uh, decided to join us tonight, and we have got a special guest for you this time around. We've got Pete Stitcher. Now, Pete is with Ascent Fly Fishing. He's an aquatic biologist and a restoration ecologist, a real fishy guy, and uh, really excited to have you on the program. Pete, thanks so much for coming on. Mark, it's it's great to talk to you, and uh, yeah, it's fun to to talk to someone back in my home waters, back in the Pacific Northwest. So let, let's go there. So originally, um, where were you? What waters were you fishing when you say Pacific Northwest? So I'm I'm assuming Seattle, Washington State. Where, where did uh, where did your journey begin in in fly fishing? I mean, a, a little further south. Um, so my journey started back in the Rockies. So that's where I, I cut my teeth fly fishing, but. Uh, where I got my, my degree, where I studied aquatic biology, where I, you know, lived out on the river with, with salmon, that was in Oregon in Southern Washington. And, and then I dipped down into Northern California a little bit, but, but Oregon is what I would consider my home waters. Hmm. So where's your home waters now? Yeah. So, um, Ascent Fly Fishing, uh, my company and, and I were based out of Denver. So, uh, my home waters now are the Colorado river, um, you know, the Roaring Fork, the Frying Pan, uh, the South Platte, and, and uh, we're out there a lot. We have to have to do our research, so that's my excuse to go fishing a couple times a week. So what you got to tell me, Pete, is how did this obsession 
start for you? Uh, how did you first come to discover fly fishing? Was it through was it through being a biologist and, and doing that aquatic thing, or walk us through that journey? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was you know I think like a lot of anglers started out uh, dr- drowning night crawlers. Um, you know, we can admit it. This is a safe place. You know, we all kill night crawlers, <laughs> and uh, and then um, I was I was a pretty rowdy kid, so they took me out of class and they. They gave me a, a mentor to kind of help me get some work done, and uh, he was from Utah, and he introduced me to tying flies uh, when I was 10. And uh, yeah, I started cutting hair off my dog and, and tying flies and catching fish on it. And from from 10 on, I was I was hooked and uh, went over to fly fishing. That's pretty cool. I, I you know something I always like to ask Pete is. Um, who inspired you? Like who, if you had to look to somebody and I know everything's different now with YouTube and all the online, you know, social media that we're exposed to, but, um, is it somebody you fished with? Is it somebody you met? Is it somebody you met at a fly show? Who kind of got the stoke going for you in the sport? Right. Well, you know, it's, I mean, I I grew up in the Midwest, so there was not a a large fly fishing population uh, back home. Um, so I think, who inspired me, I would say it was my mom. Um, and that she saw this passion. She saw that I was like ADD and not able to keep my stuff together in school. So that was the care she put in front of me is, you know, you find a lake, you find a, a Creek. And if you want to leave at four in the morning, I'll get you there. And so she, uh, she fostered that she encouraged that and, uh, really gave me my wings to, to find myself out there. So I'm pretty heavily set, uh, self-taught and, uh, yeah, just found my, my kind of sacred space on the water. And, uh, and that's, that's still, still the case. Um, moms and, are great uh, for that. You know, like they, it, I always think, okay, so we always want our kids to kind of do what, you know, what we're passionate about, but when, when they find something, you see their eyes light up and, and when you get the support from, from mom or dad, that's pretty special. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that was a good spot for us to bond and, you know, as I've like progressed through the industry, I mean, it's a really small industry. So I've been able to meet, um, some pretty amazing people. And I'd say, you know, the anglers that inspire me now that I'd like to model myself after and, and how they approach the sport would be people like Dave Whitlock, um, who goes to all these shows for decades yet, you know, he remembers you, he'll, he'll draw, you know, a little illustration in your book and, uh, give you his full attention. And, uh, and even, you know, more of a contemporary, like Landon Mayer, again, one mm. of the, uh, the nicest guys on the water, um, humble, knows his stuff, loves fishing and, uh, just great educator and great guy. Um, those are the guys like, um, yeah, yeah. Jason, um, with, uh, TFO. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's a, a lot of good people in the sport. That's, it's pretty awesome. Well, you're naming a few there and I'll tell you, because we had Landon on the show, amazing guy, amazing guest and, and, and free to share all his information. Really, really great guy. Um, Joe Davies actually is the guy, uh, I know, you know, Joe, but he told me a couple years ago, you need to call Pete and, uh, somehow our paths never crossed, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad we finally got to do this because Joe had a lot of nice things to say about you. Well, yeah, it's again, feel blessed to be a part of an amazing community and, um, man, as soon as COVID clears up, I look forward to, to getting back up to the Northwest and, and doing some bug classes and, and hanging out with some other, you know, good folks like yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. Me too. So talk to me a little bit, Pete, about 
the entomology, the more scientific, you know, the biologist part of your life. What what got you going in that direction? Right. Well, yeah, there was a, a time. I mean, I wasn't always a. Uh, I mean, I was always a fly fishing nerd, but uh, you know, I had to to make a, make a living another way. And I was in marketing way back in the day in Portland, and I was spending a lot of time with Microsoft and and uh, Apple and, and flying back and forth between uh, um, Seattle and and the Bay. And uh, just was finally like, God, what am I doing here? I'd rather be on the water fishing. So I went back um, a little bit later in life and, and got an aquatic biology degree from Oregon State. And um, yeah, I mean, my happy place, my sacred space, my place where I'm most at home and at peace has always been the water. So um, I, I mean, I jumped in with both feet and I thought, you know, if I could build trophy fishing water. I would know everything about trout, everything about salmon, what they eat, where they live, why they're there, what they see. So I figured the best way to do that was to get a degree and um, just completely immerse myself in that. Uh, spent a number of years as a biologist, um, living out of a tent on the river, surveying uh, salmon and trout waters, and uh, took a job out in Oregon, uh, sorry, in Colorado, then building and managing trophy fishing waters. And mm. uh, so my heart has always been with the trout and the whole idea for understanding the science, the entomology, the behavior, the vision was so that I could hack that with my fly rod and catch more fish. And so that's what we built uh, our, our business around is how do we take the geeky stuff I do as a biologist and distill it down to something that the first time angler or the seasoned fly fisher can tie on their rod and just have the best day of their life. I, I, lo I love where you're going with that. I love the word distill because I think there's a lot of distilling goes on in the world of fly fishing. The lessons that we take, we distill it down and we kind of put it in the memory bank till the next time. And, and just what you're talking about there, th I got a selfish question that I have to ask you because I always want to know as somebody who's really into entomology and is, is a biologist by trade, how much does that help you on the water with your fly fishing? I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's imperative. It's so important. Um, I mean, it, it breaks the dependence on the fly shop and don't get me wrong. You know, I own a fly shop. I'm an open book. I'm, I mean, shoot, my mobile is on the website. When people call that, they, they reach my mobile, uh, on the water. Um, but yeah, if what's the question we're all asking, it's, it's what are they biting on? And so if I can not just, you know, tell someone what they're biting on on this day, but how can I equip them with the, the knowledge and the skills to go out there and sample quickly and look at a spider web and look at an eddy and what's floating around in there and how to turn over rocks and identify at a glance what those bugs are on the water and what they are in their box? I mean, that's how we are going to make lifelong anglers, lifelong advocates for the river. I mean, hmm. help people be really successful. So that is that's one of the three pillars of being a successful angler is knowing what they're eating. You just said something that really stuck with me because I am all, I'm, it's all about observation. I think observation is the number one thing in my mind when it comes to fly fishing. We need to observe what bugs are coming off, but you said something, spider webs. I'm just thinking in my own mind, I'm always looking at the plants that are flowering. It can usually kind of go with insect hatches kind of because it's a temperature kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, certain times of year, there's certain bugs coming off and always looking for signs, but that's, uh, you know, and for shucks and for uh, casings. But when you say spider webs, I don't think I've actually ever looked at a spider web on, on a river or creek or lake and thought, well, that's what's coming off. I, I'll look at the reeds, but that's, that's a good tip. 
Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we dug into that pretty heavy on the Orvis podcast a little bit ago, but yeah, spider webs are one of my go-tos and spiders know exactly what's hatching where you're fishing. I mean, they're on it. So if you have an active spider web, right, there's that garden spider hanging out right in the middle of its web. If there are insects still in that web, that's a very fresh sample. I mean, cause they're going to suck it dry, cut it loose and reset the trap. And so, um, yeah, you go up, you see, you know, a handful of, of midges or, or uh, some trico spinners or maybe a caddis fly. Um, that's a pretty fresh sample. And also it, it tells you not only like which family or, or life cycles are present, it's also telling you like, what's the most abundant? Like, all right, gosh, I see a few midges flying around. I see a couple mayflies. Well, here's a couple spider webs and there's 50 midges in there. Well, that's, that's the most abundant food. So maybe we'll, we'll tie into that instead. I love what you said about, okay, here's a spider's point of view. Suck it dry, set it loose, and reset the trap. Have you, You've said that before, or is that just something that just came to you? Because I'm telling you, that, <laughs> that's funny because for me, I'm, I'm a big chronomid guy, so midge patterns, right? But there's, right. I'm overwhelmed by it. Like I'm, every lake I go to, I see a new chronomid I've never seen before, a different color. And it's like, yeah. I, somebody needs to do a book on the... Th- 300,000 species there are of chronomids, let alone caddis, let alone dragons. Like it, it really boggles the mind when you, when you start to think about the diversity of, of, of patterns. And it, honestly, it gives me a bit of not a headache in a bad way, but it's like, wow, where do we end with this stuff? Right. I mean, you, you could go down the rabbit hole. You could get really specific and like you said, write a book about it, but I'm about simplifying. And I think the trout will uh, respond to, to simplicity as well. So mm-hmm. it's just, again, being curious, being observant, and being able to say, you know, there's five of these that are this size and this color, and there's one of those. Well, if there's five of those, maybe the trout are getting, you know, more shots at this bug. And then what's the size, color, and shape, and what's it close to in my box? So we're just distilling it down. But, uh, yeah, it's it can get overwhelming. So I'm all about simplifying and empowering. Let's talk about realistic versus suggestive. I'd really like you to weigh in on this. So for me, you know, a lot of people are these days are tying very realistic patterns. But my experience is a lot of times the suggestive ones that have more movement in the water work. You have any thoughts on that? Right. I mean, I think there are some absolute artists. I mean, there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts. These, these tires are artists on Instagram. And, um, I mean, I would, I would hang a lot of their flies on my wall, but, um, I don't think I'd fish them. And, um, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, denig- I'm not tearing down what they're doing at all. I have utmost respect, but, uh, you know, there is a lot of food in the water. There is a lot of food in the water. We're talking midges, carotomids. All right. We have 17,000 species, uh, you know, in, in North America, wow! like you could tie a lot of different patterns to try to really match that accurately. Um, but the, when there's literal tons of midges per, you know, you know, hundred yards or hundred meters, uh, on a stream, um, you know, what we need to do is instead of just trying to be as accurate to that black fly larva, uh, as we can, you know, trout are alpha predators and, and they pick out their food by what's standing out from the herd. Um, so like, uh, and we can get into my fly tires and stuff later, but like when I'm with my tires, when I'm training my tires, I'm sitting down with them, you know, I give them analogies that they understand. And, and they were asking me questions last time I was, was, uh, uh, 
overseas training my tires and they're like, why do we tie the rainbow warrior? It's such a beautiful fly, but it doesn't look like any of the insect samples you send us that we're tying. And, uh, um, so what I'm explaining is, is, uh, let's say we go out to the, the plains of Africa and there's a herd of lions looking at, uh, or a pride of lions looking at a herd of gazelles. Mm-hmm. Gazelles are on the menu. And, uh, but I asked my tires, I'm like, which one are they going to eat? Here's all these healthy gazelles. And then there's one that's limping outside of the herd and they, it clicks in their brains. They get it like world of, you know, here we are in Africa. Yeah. They're going to eat that one gazelle. Same thing in the world of trout. Trout are eating midges. It's on the menu, but they're, mm. you know, they want an easy meal as well. So when we add that little hot spot or that mercury bead to add that little bubble back or the red wire, all of a sudden we are creating that limp. We're creating that wounded gazelle, the one that's slightly different and outside of the herd. And it's the nature of the trout to eat that one. So, right. um, yeah, I, I would say going with contrast, a little flare, a little flash, a little bit outside of the herd, not quite uh, that supernatural. Um, you're going to catch more fish. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's really well verbalized. Um, you're putting some things out, uh, you're verbalizing some stuff that I think in my mind that I'm, I'm, you're doing it better than anyone I've talked to in a long time. So I I appreciate it. I want to get to know you, Pete, a little bit off the water. Um, you ready for a few kind of rapid fire questions that probably have nothing to do with anything. Um, (laughs) what do you like to listen to music wise? So when you're driving in your truck or whatever you're driving, wherever you're going, uh, in Colorado to the dream stream or, um, you know, wherever you're headed, what are you listening to? Yeah. I, I've been li- listening to some pretty funky stuff lately. Um, you know, glass animals, um, alt J, um, those oh, yeah. have been two of my go-tos, um, in the shop. Uh, we do a lot of beastie boys and, uh, some misfits. So I get back to like my old school kind of punk rock roots and, uh, yeah. And then floating recently, we've been doing, uh, some EDM as we've been, uh, you know, busting down some canyons. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty diverse. <laughs> I, the thing is I, I work with all these young guys, the guys in the shop now, I mean, I'm only 39, but one of the, uh, millennials in the shop, he asked me if the beastie boys were from the seventies and I almost fired them you know, right there on the spot. <laughs> no sleep till Brooklyn. That's, <laughs> that's right. A little uh, sabotage. Yeah. That's funny. Um, throw this at you one go-to fly pattern you can't live without so i I realize that's a big question but if what's in your box more often than not and what are you looking to tie on you know again i i you know my favorite patterns are ones that are maybe a slightly different tie um than other shops than other tires and other factories oh god the one fly to rule them all um i know it's a big question you know uh, I'm going to be a little self-serving and go with one of my patterns, um, the Disco Betis. So it uh, has a lot of similarities to the Disco Midge, um, but we've added a UV body and then some just very fine uh, synthetic fiber, tail hairs and legs. Um, and we do it in like kind of a, a really metallic purple, a red, and also um, uh, kind of a pearly chartreuse color. Mm. And uh, it just is proven to be trout crack everywhere we fished it. So I've done it in lakes and rivers and, uh, yeah, I'll be fishing it, uh, at 12,000 feet, uh, you know, in two days. I love, I love the sheen when, when it looks like, you know, they're trapping that gas and they're, and they're trying to emerge that 
that's why the Rainbow Warrior is so effective. That's why a lot of these patterns, eh, with this UV, I just said A, I'm going to edit that. With this UV, <laughs> <laughs> with this UV kind of thing, it suggests the natural, you know, as it's emerging. Right. Well, um, I, I, I take, I mean, I'm a total geek. I mean, I put parties to sleep, but I, I take a lot of like high resolution um, videos of, of invertebrates and, and of the chronomids when I, I pump some stomachs of trout or I, I get some of these chronomid pupa. The pupa is our emerger, that one that's kind of floating its way off the, the bottom of the river. Our midges and chronomids actually form this gas bubble within their skin, within that shuck that lifts them slowly off the bottom of the river. And when you look at them under that microscope, it looks like silver. That gas bubble is just kind of wrapped through that skin. And that's why we add, again, a lot of that UV or um, those wire ribs really imitates that uh, that gas bubble really well. And, and it's dynamite. But again, observing, you know, you're doing it, you're talking about it, and it's going to make you a better angler. Well, and you just said something, too, that really resonates with me is is throat samples. Like, we throat sample every fish unless it's, you know, too small. But um, there's so much to be learned there. There, there is. And, and I mean, I, I don't sell stomach pumps, um, you know, in our, our shop. I think, um, you know, people, gosh, I just, I don't think people quite know how to handle the fish uh, maybe well. Or, or maybe if their entomology is not up to snuff, they're going to pump out all these, uh, you know, all their stomach contents and they still can't identify it or, or match it. So, I mean, it can be a good tool in the right hands in the right situation, but mm. I mean, I, I wouldn't, uh, it's way too hot here. Um, the water temps are too high. Uh, I mean, it would be off the table right now, but again, it can be an effective tool. Certainly. Yeah. Sorry. I should preface that Pete by saying I'm fishing still waters and usually in, in Alpine, Canada, right? Yeah, yeah, you got it. So, I mean, it's usually the water temperature is fairly cool and, and yeah, that's, that's a really good point. You don't want to be doing that if it's, uh, you know, like a sauna, um, a little hard on the trout, you know, bass and, and perch. Okay. But, but you can't be messing with those trout. They don't like that. Yeah. Trout are sissies. They, they don't like it, but yeah. <laughs> Favorite place to talk fly fishing. So when you're not in your waders, is there a place around Littleton or, uh, you know, uh, Denver area that, is there a coffee shop, a fly shop, a watering hole that kind of, where you get your fix? Yeah, you know, um, since I run a shop, I'm getting at least 10 hours a day of, of uh, you know, big fat lies about how big a fish was or how many fish we caught. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I do it all day, every day. I love it. Um, some of the my favorite places really to get the larger community together. Um, we do events uh, down here in the Rockies called Bugs and Brews, where I partner with different breweries. Um, we've done them at Avery and Oscar Blues and uh, Odell, which are all pretty big regional breweries. And we'll have 50 to 120 anglers join us. And we just geek out on entomology and stuff for a couple of hours. And I, I buy the first round for everyone. So those are some of my favorite events, like really turning on that light bulb for folks, uh, giving them that aha moment and yeah, answering questions and just geeking out on fly fishing. Let's talk sports. I don't know if you're a sports guy or not, but, um, and I know you have a bit of an Oregon background too. So are, are we talking, where do you get your fix? Ducks, beavers, Broncos, Nuggets, Avs, Rockies. Right. Talk to me. Yeah. So true to my roots, wherever I'm from. Um, so, uh, Grew up in Nebraska, so college, it's it's the Huskers all the way, which has been, you know, a shameful couple of years. But uh, and then my first, uh, some of my first pro teams was in Portland, so uh, it's the uh, it's the Blazers all the way. Um, mm-hmm. And now, 
now that I'm in Colorado, it's it's the Rockies. But you know, I'm, I'm still rooting for uh, each of those professional teams when I, when I picked them up when I moved to that state. So it's the Rockies and the Broncos. And uh, you know, Chuck Nasty, if you ever hear this, he's a big fly fisherman uh, for the Rockies. We need to go wet a line, so reach out to the shop and we'll do it. <laughs> He's on my list. You're like about the fourth person that's told me that, so I know Chuck must be huge into the fly fishing. He Biggest is. lesson, Pete, that you've learned on your fly fishing journey. So if you had to distill it down, in your words, distill it to a single takeaway, what would that be? Yeah, that, that is, that's a great question. I don't want to just like, I don't want to blow through that. Um, you know, I've, I've had my seasons where it's been all about catching the big fish or all about, you know, notching those 80 fish days um, or, you know, catching a 20 plus inch brook trout. Um, and those are fun to check off uh, the list. Um, but the, the longer I've done this and, and as we've built our shopping community, um, you know, fly fishing for me has been become a whole lot more about the people and uh the experience and the life that that is so unique to the river, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, you know, the river and this community has been a place of belonging and of healing for me, and and that is is something that I have I've come to appreciate more and more, and and that's what really drives me now in, in the business, in this industry, in this sport is sharing this place that is so meaningful and special. That I mean, God. The rivers that we've fished have been fished for millennia by, you know, who knows how many thousands of people. And and they they keep giving hope and keep giving life and uh, the ability to connect with my kids on the water, to connect with friends, to to find some first time angler and, you know, tie on a couple of good flies and just help them with that first drift to catch that first fish. And that that excitement that comes out of them, um, that's what it's all about. And and that's really yeah, what I return to the river to experience is is those relationships, those friendships, and and to, to share that with other people. So that's probably not the direction you thought the question would go, um, but uh, yeah, mm. it's it's about people. And um, gosh, I mean, I, I share that with my clients here in the states and, and Patagonia and New Zealand, but also, uh, you know, that's as my company's been growing, we've been adding more fly tires and and sharing that experience with. Uh, my community and my, my work fam in Africa, um, man, that's what I'm really passionate about right now. That's really cool. When you, when you talk about belonging and acceptance and, and I know what you mean by that, because when you're on a river, the river doesn't care. You're part of the system. You're part of what's going on and you just kind of get lost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the last, uh, you know, few months with coronavirus and all this craziness and just personal stuff, I mean, the river again, is just, becoming such a, a safe and healing place so i mean i'm, I'm trying to, to to float and and get the boat out every week you know twice a week it's uh yeah it's just it's life-giving fill in the blank for me when you're not fly fishing you're usually doing what you know i gosh i'm probably you know having a dance party with my kids uh you know i sing loud i dance horribly <laughs> and uh you know we're we're just uh, doing a fun float together. And again, we don't even have to be fishing. My, my, my son's eight or 10. He's learning to, to row. And so he can keep us down the river for about a mile. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm having friends over uh, to barbecue. Um, you know, 
my kids and I, we did a big old graffiti project the other day. I had a bunch of, we had a graffiti artist spray a wall in the shop. And then, uh, my kids just came and we covered the side of the house in plastic and just tagged it. So yeah, just, uh, saying yes to everything, skydiving, new ink, you name it, just saying yes to everything and having fun. Yeah. Good stuff. Sounds like pretty fun dad scene there. (laughs) (laughs) Best job you have ever had, Pete. Are you doing it now or is it something you've done in the past or uh, talk to me about the best job you've had? Yeah. I mean, definitely live in my best self right now. And, uh, I mean, our community is phenomenal. Yeah. I love what I do. I get a pay, I get paid to, you know, lead trips to Mexico or, or Patagonia and, uh, I do it with amazing people. And so I am really living my best self right now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do have a C level position in this shop. It's the CFG, the chief fly geek. So we're not really pretentious, but, uh, (laughs) chief fly geek is on the card and yeah, we're just, uh, we're building up our fleet of boats. We're floating a lot. Um, I give all the guys in the shop a a paid uh, fishing day a month. So, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Sounds all right. Where do you get your source for fly fishing news? I'm curious because obviously with Ascent Fly Fishing, you're you're really dialed in. But is there a source that you look to either online or in magazines? Where do you get your fix um, for news? You know, I I wish I had the time. I mean, there are some great publications. Fly Fusion is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a ton of good podcasts, and uh, and we'll turn those on in the shop. Um, but, uh, yeah, most of my Intel is, is, is coming uh, on the ground. So, um, we have like a whole wholesale side of the business for guides and we really like to, to pump up the guides that work with us and buy their flies from us. So like goose down at Telluride angler, um, great guy, you know, awesome team of anglers uh, of guides and they are, you know, doing 10 trips a day down in that region and, and feeding us good Intel back. So, I mean, the stuff that really gets me excited that, I got to take all this data and put it back into my, my database to, to really sharpen, you know, how we're selecting flies for people. A lot of that's coming from guides and and just anglers, people that uh, will tag us on Instagram and and tell us what flies they were using or the flies that we gave them that really worked. I mean, that's, I take all that information back and I'm, I'm sharpening how we're, we're approaching the water. So guides and anglers, that's, you know, the community is, is where I get my intel. Is there any better community in your mind? Like, I mean, I've only been doing this podcast for two, just over two years. And I just, I'm absolutely astounded because I've had a lot of different career changes in my life. And I've worked in a lot of different businesses, whether it's winery related or radio or sports, fly fishing. The people that I talk to on this show, it's such an easy conversation. Nobody's got anything to hide. And I'm just, I'm just continually blown away it's like when any whenever you find out somebody's into fly fishing it's like yeah i'd hang out with them (laughs) i'd have a beer with them exactly yeah um you know i'm totally biased because i'm going to say like no this is the best community and for the most part i would say you know 95 percent of the community are that those type of men and women right open excited willing to share um you know yeah it's they, they love what they're doing and love being a part of it I mean, I joke that there's no emergencies in my business, right? Like the emergency is, is someone, you know, cast a fly into a tree and that's the emergency. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, there's a few egos and, and they tend to yeah. sour the pot a little bit. Um, I struggle with that. Yeah, but they are the minority. 
party, even if they are some of the loudest on Instagram sometimes, um, you know, we can, uh, we can drown them out with good vibes and, and still sharing what's working and, uh, and sharing the water. So yeah, I, uh, I think it's one of the best communities out there and I love it. I love it. Let's, let's get into ascent fly fishing. I, I, I want to know why you started this business. Like, did you see, you know, tell us the journey of why you started Ascent and kind of what you saw, maybe a gap in the market or walk us through that journey. Right. Um, so as a biologist, you make a horrible living and it's pretty skinny and, uh, and you have horrible insurance. And, uh, it was when my daughter was about one, um, Emily's eight now. And, um, you know, she'll roll, roll cast a, a nine foot five weight, like a spay rod. But when she was one, um, she had like kidney failure and we thought we were going to have to replace the kidney. And, uh, so it was, it was go time to try to figure out how to, how to earn that money to cover those costs. And so, you know, picking mushrooms and selling them to restaurants, um, doing, you know, pulling out all my biologist stops I could. And, uh, at that point, um, I had a friend that was going to be fishing a specific water and he was wondering what they were going to be you know, biting on. I'm like, you know, I, I built that section of river as a biologist. I know exactly what's in there. Um, I did all the studies. So let me tie you up a box of flies. And, uh, he went out with that box of flies and he outfished all the guides and everyone else in the party. And he's like, man, this is where I'm going next. What's happening there. Mm-hmm. And, and pretty quickly I realized, man, I got the secret sauce. Like people want to know what they're, what the fish are biting on. And, I have the databases. I have access to this information. I've done the samples. I've, you know, really sampled across the Western United States initially. And so let's start doing this. And so started tying flies and, and having a couple of friends help. And, uh, and then, I mean, it hit, it, it started going so well in 2014. Um, I mean, I, I left, uh, my job as a full-time biologist and, and started ascent fly fishing and, uh, ascent, is like, you know, that, that fish rising up, it's ascending in the water and, uh, to take that fly and, and we we're going to rise up and try to do stuff differently. Right. Mm. And so really, again, taking my, my science background and, and bringing that into match the hatch techniques and new tools and those very purposefully selected flies and, and cutting edge patterns that hack fish vision, that hack, you know, what, what flies and what life cycles are living on these specific waters you're fishing when you're fishing them. So that's where we came into the industry. Um, you just hit on something that, uh, really resonated with me and it's life cycles. Just because you know that a fish is taking a midge or taking a caddis or taking a dragonfly, knowing the life cycles and knowing, uh, you know, are they taking bloodworms on the bottom? You know, are they taking larvae? Are they taking actual emerging chronomids? Are they taking chrome kind of colored ones that are truly coming out of the, you know, ready to hatch? And for me, I get really excited about that because trying to figure, I know you're talking a little bit more in generalities with patterns, but I know as your your background indicates with you know, bio, aquatic biology, you must have some pretty good knowledge of what these things look like when they're, when the fish are feeding on them and maybe talk to that a little bit. How important is it to, you know, not only are you fishing a caddis, say pupa, uh, uh, larva, uh, adult, you need to understand what the fish and where they're taking them. Right. Well, you know, an, an analogy I use probably daily in the shop is, you know, I have a client come in and they, they tell me they like, uh, you know, fishing a certain pattern. And I'm like, 
I ask them, do you eat Cheerios for every meal, every single day? You know, and this is when they're telling me that they always fish in El Caracatus or something. And, and the answer is, of course not. That'd be ridiculous. I'm not eating cereal for every meal every day. And then I just bring it home and I'm like, well, neither are the trout. And, and while an El Caracatus is going to be that dominant meal on this water, you know, in this season or on this time of day, that's not always going to be the case. And so um, it is essential to understand, you know, where do, where do trout's food live? You know, where do they spend the majority of their life? Where in the water column is that and what do they look like? You know, take your standard mayflies. They spend six months to a year as a nymph and then typically four to 48 hours as a dry fly. So as a dun or a spinner. So, yeah, the parachute atoms is a great mayfly. It can be fished as that dun just out of the water or that spinner getting ready to die. Um, But again, that's 0.1 percent of the life of that bug. You know, we want to be catching fish the other 99.9% of the time. So you need to understand the nymphs uh, on the bottom of the river. Those emergers that are struggling up and down through the water column trying to get out. And and then those those duns that are breaking through the surface of the water. There's a lot of courses to the meal. And that dry fly is just one of them. So, um, and again, this stuff is, if you're observant, if you're just willing to slow down and take 30 seconds to, to look or to, you know, use some of the techniques that we've created to simplify matching the hatch, um, you're not going to be guessing. You can know definitively within two minutes what flies are in that water, which life cycles are, are, are prevalent and on the menu. Because, you know, we're, we're walking halfway into this dance, right? Mm. Where we don't know which, which uh, course of the meal they're on. Ah, but that's, very no, quickly. I, that's, yeah. that's bang on. Because th- what you just said really, really hits me. Because when we're fishing coronamid patterns say we're fishing chromies or whatever or say you're fishing a a griffith's gnat on the top where are those fish taking that are they taking it 15 feet down are they taking it five feet down are they taking it as it's popping up as it's really kind of vulnerable in that surface film as it's popping you know how you know reading the rises reading the hatch talk to me a little bit uh, about that pete yeah so i mean you know the first thing we're doing is is you know, we're, we're sampling, we're, we're looking at, um, what's, um, you know, I have an, an acronym, it's a match. What's the most abundant, um, what's the approximate size, color and profile. Uh, but T in our match acronym is, is trout feeding behavior. So not only are we sampling the water, we're looking on top of the water. We're looking at how the bugs are flying over the water. I mean, these are all distinct characteristics. It says mayfly, caddisfly, stonefly, midge, just from looking at these. Um, then we're getting to trout feeding behavior also. So you're, you're talking about what's the rise form of the trout. Um, and so understanding how some of these different bugs come through the water, just from watching how that fish is moving, you can identify, oh, that's a mayfly rise. Oh, that's a yeah. midge rise. Our midges, our coronamids, they're not swimming out of the water. They are slowly drifting to the surface. That little bubble is just making them slightly more than neutrally buoyant, right? They're just slightly more buoyant. And so they're jerking and flipping and kicking. So when the trout are rising to midges and coronamids, typically it's a very lazy, slow rise. You know, that, that food's not going anywhere fast. Right. Uh, when they're chasing an emerging mayfly, uh, they're a much more aggressive swimmer. And so it'll be a sharper uh, slap and strike, um, a much quicker move to the surface to catch that emerger. Um, yeah, when they're hitting the surface, you'll see porpoising behavior where it almost looks like a little dolphin just kind of uh, that dorsal fin clipping the surface of the water, mm-hmm. that little displaced V on the on the lake. 
all of that behavior is saying now those emergers, those pupa are in that top you know, couple inches of the water column. So we start bringing our patterns to you know, the mole flies, the quill midge emergers, those unweighted uh, pupa patterns that are, are really light and just in the film. So we're, we're, the trout give us feedback, right? They say, look how I'm feeding now. We've identified its midges. My behavior tells us this is the course. We're on to the emerger course. And we know where those emergers are going, right? They're, they're going up. They're heading to the surface. Next course in the meal is going to be dry flies. So we, we can track this with, with how they're moving, how they're feeding, um, the speed of this. There's lots of little pieces, and, and we can put this puzzle together a piece at a time. You don't have to learn it in a day, right? Well, and that's the overwhelming thing, I think, to people that are starting in our sport or in our pastime is that you can't know Nobody knows it all, and you'll learn what you learn, but you have to kind of break it off into sections. Otherwise, it can be somewhat overwhelming. And that, I love what you're doing with Ascent as far as bringing it back to a simplistic kind of approach, like whether it's, um, talk to me about Ascent and your, and what you guys are offering. Cause I, I did look at some of your starter kits and I know you've got all kinds of fly patterns and, uh, you know, uh, rods, reels, nets, tools, tippet. Talk to me about your online fly shop with Ascent. Right. Yeah. So, um, we have, I mean, we produce all of our own flies and really where we stand out is our dedication to matching the hatch and providing top quality flies at excellent prices. And so I supply all of our own materials. We have 45 full-time fly tires now in the last, gosh, three weeks, we've tied, I think 80,000 flies Wow! and, and all of them pass through my hand. Um, so I'm quality controlling them. I'm checking the, the rib spacing. I mean, pretty OCD about the quality of our flies. And so we keep about 600,000 flies in the shop. So when you're going to Patagonia, when you're going to New Zealand, if you're fishing the Ilnor River in Bavaria, Germany, I'm going to have the flies you need and we're going to get you dialed in. Hmm. Um, and what we do, I mean, our, our high-end kind of special specialized boxes are people will go in to the website and they'll click on biologist packed fly selections and they will specify, this is my budget. This is my skill level. Um, I'm a brand new angler. I'm a seasoned angler. Um, and uh, this is the specific waters and regions I'm fishing. And they can tell us, I only fish dry flies or I only need nymphs. And with about seven different uh, questions answered, it takes a couple of minutes. We have kind of our angler variables and our kind of seasonal environmental data that we need. And we can then hone it in and we build them a fly box that's organized by the hatches and life cycles of the bugs on that water. And we charge about $1.45 a fly to do that. Wow. Um, yeah. And, Sounds uh, pretty reasonable so to me. A, it is. And uh, we're trying to make it accessible, right? Not just the science and, and the knowledge, but also the price. Um, you don't need to be a one percenter. Um, I understand there's a ton of overhead in, in other shops. And so we keep it to a minimum. You know, we have a wholesale program for a shop that we want to, uh, yeah, help keep the, the money in your wallet and, and the fish in your net. I'm a huge believer in fluorocarbon. And uh, talk to me about your phantom fluoro. What what does that bring to the water? Yeah, so there's only a <laughs> here's here's the behind the curtain. There's only a couple of factories in the world that make extruded fluorocarbon. Really? Um, so, yeah, most of us, uh, I mean, I... I I don't know if it's proprietary where, where some of the larger brands get theirs, but uh, I think we're all getting it from Japan. And uh, so, 
you know, when my spools of 55 yard spool of fluorocarbons getting spooled, uh, you know, a larger brand might be getting spooled right behind me. And, uh, because we cut out all the middlemen, we don't have reps and, uh, and you know, whatever it's, we do 55 yards of, of fluoro for, for a little over $14 us. And, uh, again, just cutting out middlemen, passing on the savings and, and trying to equip people with, with good gear for that's going to hold up on the water. What is it you like about fluoro so much? Is it the invisibility of it or what is it? Right. So we, we have an article that kind of breaks down and compares fluoro with mono on our, uh, our sci-fly blog on the website. But yeah, fluorocarbon has a couple of things going for it. Um, it doesn't stretch as much, so it has a little more sensitivity to the strike. It's slightly denser than monofilament or, or nylon line, mm-hmm. so it will help to sink, especially with those wet wet patterns where, again, most the majority of fish feeding is happening, happening under the water. Um, and then it's invisible. So the way that light reflects or refracts off of water and different materials, uh, it, it reflects off of water and fluorocarbon at almost the same wavelength. So in water... And in high light, fluorocarbon is essentially invisible. Uh, so it has a lot of things going for it. And I fish it for all of my wet applications and streamers. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point. And I think that's something that maybe some people may or may not know is you do not want to fish fluoro if you're trying to, uh, you know, fish the adult version of a, of a caddis. Right. I mean, it's, it has some tendency to, to sink that. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, maybe that works for you. And I honestly, I think actually that's helped me on a couple of occasions as trout were taking, uh, nymphs as, as an emerger. So you're just kind of slightly subsurface, but if you want to fish high and dry, floral's not the way. You're right on. You got it exactly. Yeah. Yep. But, and that's, that's a huge, huge tool in, in the waters that I'm at. Cause you're fishing usually very clear waters and we're fishing a lot of times chironomids and we're fishing a lot of times under an indicator and trout are spooky. And a lot of these are catch and release lakes. These fish know, they, they figure it out. So, uh, floral is a huge, huge piece of the puzzle here. Absolutely. What, you know, next to major, you know, metropolitan areas like, you know, the Provo uh, River in Utah or uh, the South Platte River here in, in Colorado, I mean, these fish have been stung, right? I mean, they've been caught a couple times maybe that day, and they have seen a lot of flies. So, yeah, anything that gives you that edge, um, you know, some 6X fluoro uh, might be what's in what's in order. Yeah, well said. I, one question, Pete, I always like to ask my guests is, if you had anything weird or wonderful that happened to you in your time on the water that kind of sticks out, and I know that's a big question. It's hard sometimes uh, to think about off the top of your head, but any crazy fish stories for me that uh, you might be kind of like, whoa, really? Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is, um, I mean, this this one's a little bit shameful. And, and my guide, uh, you know, down at uh, um, La Pescadora in, uh, in Mexico, he's going to uh, shake his head. But I was uh, fishing with the head guide, uh, the owner of La Pescadora, um, down in Ascension Bay. And I had been throwing big needlefish patterns at kudas for probably six days at this point. And it's, it's, it's the fish of, of so many casts and strips. And uh, you come to a point where you just think, all right, it's never going to take. And uh, I threw to this 48-inch uh, kuda, and it, it struck at it. And I was just, my head wasn't in the game, and I trout set it. And the, yeah, the one, <laughs> the guy, you know, he, you know, he'll, he'll let you know what he thinks. And he's, he, he let me have it. He almost threw me out of the boat. 
And so I'm hanging my head in shame. But when that CUDA blew up in the water, um, uh, a 40 pound bull shark came over to investigate. So I picked it up, laid it down and ripped it. I did my, my strip set like I was supposed to on that bull shark. And we, uh, we tailed him up to the boat. So <laughs> yeah, I, I was able to turn that around, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I can't wait to get back to the flats. How was that fight? Oh, you know, it was, it was good initially, you know, he strips some line out and then it was like, uh, pulling a log off the bottom of the river after a little bit, hmm. but uh, it was a log with teeth. So, you know, I still gave him respect. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I want you to paint a picture for us, Pete. So if you could have your day, your way, forget, you know, anybody you might be guiding or, or, or teaching fly fishing to what's your perfect day. Describe it. You know, what are you chasing? Um, what time of day, what kind of river system, what kind of flies, what kind of species of trout dial us in on that? Right. Yeah. It's, uh, my perfect day. It's, it's going to be, you know, the, the steam coming off the top of the river and we're, we're back in the boat down the ramp, um, at the beginning of like a, a five day float. So we're up on the Smith in Montana or um, the, the middle fork of the Flathead uh, up in Glacier. And I know that there's big cuts and big bull trout in there. Not that I'm targeting the bull trout in a lot of those rivers, but they're there, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you have, you know, either I'm there with my, my two kiddos or um, I got a couple, like, really good fishing buddies. And we're just going to do a multi-day float and we're going to – take our our first shot of bourbon there at the boat ramp uh, it doesn't matter how early it is you know it's a fishing trip and uh you're just gonna float and man i have total joy being on the oars and lining up those perfect drifts for my buddies you know figuring it out together just that hashing it out troubleshooting ribbing each other when you miss a strike and then celebrating uh, every fish right and and waiting for those monsters so um, we're going to be nymph and we're going to be fishing dry flies at the right time. And then we're throwing big articulated streamers, um, and then maybe some mouse patterns into the dusk. Um, those, those are the, uh, the ones that, that keep me going through the, the weeks in the shop before I get those long trips on the water. Hmm. Yeah. That's my dream trip. Do you do a lot of, uh, fly tying yourself? You know, I, I, I design some patterns, uh, still. Um, so, uh, we have one that's getting featured, uh, in a magazine here in uh, Denver called the Dad Bod was one of my my most recent patterns. Has a small little, yeah, right. The Dad Bod's sexy right now, um, <laughs> but yeah, a little small bead head up front, big massive uh, beer belly bead head right in the middle, some CDC scruff, really skinny arms and legs, and a uh, little uh, some white Converse uh, biot uh, tails. You're so, you're I mean, stinging me right now, man. Hey, it's all of us. It's all of us. We're in the same boat. But yeah, the dad bod was a a fun one. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, you know, when I do most of my tying, either it's with the kids, uh, my daughter tying up pink damselfly nymph or something, or uh, it's when I go over um, to to visit my tires in Kenya. We're about two hours from the Orbis factory and I'll I'll sit down with them for a month and we'll, uh, we'll tie bugs and sharpen stuff up and really, and bring new, bring new tools and, uh, and get it dialed in. Tell me about that. So you actually go over to your tires in Kenya and actually sit down and, and say, Hey, here's what we're trying to do. I do. Yeah. So, um, I can tell you who ties every single one of our patterns and, and what their kids are studying in school. So we have 
about 45 tires and, and almost 400 dependents now on, on Ascent. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the community here in the States and Canada, but uh, there's no success for us uh, and no no fly fishing without those that make our products. And so, um, yeah, we pay a living wage. Uh, we do a profit share. So a percentage of every sale goes uh, straight across uh, to the tires as cash. And we're doing, um, we have a benefit shirt right now. All the proceeds are going to healthcare. So we cover healthcare for them and their families. So yeah, they're, they're our family. And um, when I'm over there, my kids are out playing. Um, sometimes I don't know where they're at, but uh, you know, I know they're, they're still in Kenya and, uh, and the whole community is watching them. So, um, yeah, that's a, a huge part of what we're about is sharing the blessings and opportunities, uh, with our tires. And so I, I send over containers with, with elk hides and moose hides and, and hackles and, and hooks. And, and then we go over there and, um, I want them to understand what they're doing. So I bring samples of the actual bugs and alcohol from our rivers so as I walk them through the nymph to dun to spinner of, of each of these hatches, they can actually see the bugs and, and copy those. Um, so all of my tires have been through my entomology training and classes, and they've all been through fly casting uh, classes. And then we have huge parties um, for the whole community. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's great. My, my kids, uh, they just they rock and roll, and their Swahili is better than mine. <laughs> you know, what's killing me is is – most people I've met in, and I'm not talking the fly fishing industry, but business in general, um, you know, it's production, right? But it sounds to me like to you, you take it a little more personal. Yeah, I, I, I do. And, uh, it's, um, yeah, that they're, uh, they are their family. And I, I don't say that lightly. And, uh, I mean, just, uh, as they, they walked with me through my daughter's kidney surgery, I mean, you know, a generation ago, I mean, some of our tires were selling peanuts in the slum, not even a generation ago, four years ago. And now uh, we have kids in, in law school over there. So um, I, I, I don't have sage rods in the shop. I don't have, you know, a lot of big brands. Um, you know, they, they look for a big brick and mortar outfit to, to sell their stuff. But I mean, kids in law school and, uh, and people, you know, changing change the future of their whole families like that's that's success for us yeah well that's something people will invest in and that's that's integrity and you're oozing that i want to know if there's something about our pastime about fly fishing pete is there something you think we should do better or differently or is there anything that irks you uh as a whole in this industry you know it the sport is growing so quickly, and I think um, there is maybe a little bit of grumbling that, you know, oh, this was my home water that I fished or I learned on or my grandpa took me to, and now there's all these people fishing there, and, and there can be some bitterness that kind of takes root and um, or some, you know, a lot of criticism, especially on social media as someone is so excited that they drag that first little trout up onto the gravel to take a picture but they might not have had that heritage of, of, a, of a mom like mine to teach me or a grandpa like yours or a friend that was patient enough to, to pull the tree down to help you get the fly out of it. Um, these people are just excited. They want to get out there. And I think we need to do a better job of welcoming people to the sport and gently teaching them how to sustainably do this, how to do it well, how to share the water. Um, how do you, you, know, you don't want to be a high holer, right? No one likes it when you get stepped on and someone walks right into your hole. But it's not malicious. They just don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I like to see us be gracious with each other and tell them what flies working. And maybe 
after we catch two or three fish out of this hole, back out and help someone else get a couple of drifts and learn how to do it as well. And, and they're going to pass it on and they're going to advocate and fight for that water and vote for that water. And they're going to buy the licenses that preserves that public water. Um, so yeah, we need to do a better job of sharing it and passing it on. And you share what you love, right? If you're passionate about it, you share it. Anything you got coming up for, uh, you know, the remainder of 2020, you want to tell us about it? I, I mean, I, tell us what's happening with, you know, Ascent for, for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's, uh, it has been a, a strange year to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. You know, typically uh, we're getting, uh, you know, starting to plan our, our big winter push where um, I'll travel uh, around with the fly fishing show and, and visit some other shows and, and do classes around the U.S., um, I just don't know. I don't know what the what's what's happening this year as far as shows go. So um, yeah, all of our classes and stuff have have really been cut off. But uh, we are looking to start um, filming all of uh, the classes that we used to do in person. Our bugs and brews, our different entomology, our different matching the hatch classes, and uh, we we want to make those streamable. So that is uh, is a big one. Um, on our website, if people want to. Um, come along and kind of encourage and empower those tires in that larger community. We have a, a t-shirt promotion going on. Um, our local water here in Denver is called the South Platte. And it's almost like the Russian River in that um, there's no such thing as social distancing on the South Platte. you got 100 <laughs> anglers shoulder to shoulder. So the, the t-shirt says, uh, I survived social distancing on the South Platte. And it's just 100 <laughs> silhouettes right next to each other. And all the proceeds of that are going to bolster the healthcare funds for our tires. So 100% of that. So, I mean, if, if someone would like a, a fun shirt that uh, goes a long way to helping the community, um, they could certainly hop on and grab one of those. But, uh, yeah, you know, we're a resource to your community, uh, to the larger fly fishing community. So if they have questions, if there's an article that they'd like written, um, they should hop on the website, look at our YouTube video, look at the different, listen to the different podcasts, read the articles. Or just give us a call, and uh, they'll reach me or one of the other guys in the shop, and and we are here to answer their questions. And yeah, the questions you've been wanting to ask are the ones we we've been waiting to answer. So so try us. Why don't Why don't you throw all your social media handles out there? So if somebody wants to figure out all things ascent fly fishing, where do they go? So Instagram and Facebook are our most consistent. I say Instagram every time. I'm on the water, I'm sampling, I'm showing you what I'm observing, and I'm telling you how to fish it. So uh, it's going to be Ascent Fly Fishing on Instagram, on Facebook, and that's A-S-C-E-N-T, Fly Fishing. Also, AscentFlyFishing.com, our streamable content, the movies we have, um, all of the podcasts and articles, and then 600,000 flies. We list the hatch species and life cycle. And you know, the prices vary from a buck and a quarter to a dollar a fly, 100% quality guaranteed. So good gear, lots of knowledge, and uh, an awesome community. We, you know, we hope that you'll join us. Yeah, check them out because uh, you won't find a better bunch of guys doing some amazing things. I'm curious about your mantra for your company, science and the cost of fly fishing, making that accessible to all. So for me, that's a real in, in, inclusive thing. And I think the sport needs more of it. Talk to us about your kind of mantra with, with ascent. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a couple of sayings It's biologists selected fish approved. That's kind of our, one of our go-tos. And, uh, and then, um, you know, we have another one that we, we have a little offshoot for our match the hatch gear under the river Oracle umbrella. And that mantra is all seeing, all knowing. 
So both of those is about sharing knowledge. Uh, all of us seeing it, all of us sharing that knowledge, um, that biologists, that insider look under the water, taking that knowledge, putting it in your fly box. It's about empowering people. So, um, yeah, I, I would rather just answer the questions you have and, and go through the fly box that you bring into the shop and tell you, yeah, this is the fly that you want to fish from 730 till 9 on that river. At that point, water temperatures will say from nine to, to 10, we're fishing this life cycle. I'll send you out of the shop without spending a dollar. And so I just want you to go out there, use it, share it, uh, tag us on it. And when you need bugs, come back and we'll refill the box. That to me is relationship sales. And I think when the world needs more of it, it's not about, you know, how can I sell more? It's about how can I help you? And then in turn, you've got a relationship, you've got a customer for life. Well, when it's about community over profit or over ego, and that's what we're about. And I hope I hope that that came across tonight, that we are passionate about the people and, and passionate about the sport and the fishing. And uh, so, yeah, we want you to be successful and love it. Pete, I love what you're doing, and I, I thanks so much for taking the time tonight. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for having us, and I hope next time I'm up to BC, uh, we can wet a line together. We'll make that happen. We've been chatting tonight, and thanks for listening to a conversation with Pete Stitcher. Pete is a uh, aquatic biologist, a restoration ecologist with owner of Ascent Fly Fishing. Check him out. He's got fly streamers, amazing fluoro tippet tools, starter kits, rods, reels, nets, and believes the science and the cost of fly fishing should be accessible to all. Check him out. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Thank you.